A good Monday to you. You're tuned into Real Talk. Uh, in just a second, we've got the Titan of Talk, Charles Adler, coming up, and we're going to go live to Ukraine uh, in about a half hour from now to check in with some amazing work that's being done. It's Canadians and Ukrainians collaborating on getting emergency equipment into the hands of those who need it most right now. Of course, that war continuing in Ukraine and firefighters aid Ukraine or firefighter aid Ukraine rather uh, doing an amazing job sending over, I mean, millions and millions of dollars worth of gear, plus a lot to talk about happenings, goings on over the weekend. I know a lot of you that would potentially join us live, most especially out of Western Canada, in the morning when we stream on YouTube, when we stream on the Mixler live audio app, are probably going to be catching this podcast later. You're going to be downloading the podcast later. And maybe we should amend our voices to be a little closer to this. For okay. those of you that were late last night to bed, uh, curious to see what the outcome would be of that Calgary Flames-Dallas Stars Game 7 that went into overtime. Oh. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. First, why don't we remind <laughs> everybody that this show is presented by our Bitcoin Well. It's been a hell of a couple of weeks for cryptocurrency, Bitcoin included, as a lot of the values have dropped and everyone's trying to figure out exactly why, exactly what's been going on. I checked in with Benny, Benny at Bitcoin, Benny, Benny at Bitcoin. Well, uh, just last week I was in there face to face asking him questions. That's the best part about dealing with them. And I said, what do you think real talkers should know about? And he goes, well, he said, this is time, you know, this is a good time for a perspective check. There's a lot of these altcoins, they call them. And if your head spins when you hear about cryptocurrency, you're not alone on this. He said, this has really established where Bitcoin stands with regards to the rest of them. I said, well, what do you mean by that specifically? He said, just tell people to give me a call, will you? Tell people to shoot me an email, will you? You can find them right at the top of the page in the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. This feels like kind of one of those real life mornings where there's some fun stuff to talk about and some really light stuff to talk about. And then there's the really heavy stuff too, like 10 people dead uh, in Buffalo, New York after uh, a mass shooter, an 18 year old uh, armed to the teeth with body armor and weapons that he purchased legally. So say his distraught parents walks into a supermarket after posting a manifesto online and claims the lives of innocent people. I mean, it's just absolutely gut-wrenching, and there's a lot to talk about on that, too. So this is real life. There's the highs and the lows, and nobody navigates those quite like Charles Adler. We're going to go to him in just a couple of minutes for his bi-weekly appearance right here, kicking us off another week on Real Talk. Everybody, I think, in Western Canada right now, especially in the province of Alberta, is talking about what's happened over the past couple of nights. The Edmonton Oilers going to a seventh game against the Los Angeles Kings and <laughs> winning that one with a shutout win. Uh, their, their overaged goaltender, Mike Smith, delivering, silencing his critics, at least in the first round, with a shutout to beat the Kings 2-0. And then last night, the Calgary Flames, the Dallas Stars taking the Flames to OT in what was an absolutely unbelievable game, uh, including Dallas's goalie, this Ottinger, this young, basically young kid that a lot of people are looking at going, there's something special with this kid. Watch Made more than year. 60 saves last night, but yeah. ultimately not enough. As Johnny Gaudreau, the star flame, wearing a letter, wearing the, the alternate captain A yeah. on his sweater for the first time ever. That blew my mind. I didn't realize that. Yeah. 
scores with what about four minutes left something like that in in the first overtime period sending the flames into the second round where they will collide with the oilers for the first time since 1991 and i don't want to trivialize other events but i mean we should start the hashtag pray for red deer because it's gonna be, it's gonna be reduced to rubble after this. There's so many families splitting too. Like. There's no place more fun to be. Well, I mean, besides from maybe the rink, but it's pretty fun in Red Deer because you know, for for those of you that listen outside of Alberta, you may not totally realize, but Red Deer is almost exactly exactly in the, in the middle, in the middle. And so you got a bunch of Flames fans there. You got a bunch of Oilers fans yeah. there. I always I lived in Red Deer for a couple of years. I always you got did. this. Yeah, I got I, I got the sense that there are a few more Flames fans there than Oilers fans. I could be wrong. OK, I'm not sure, uh, but we'll see. This is going to be the first one for, for a lot of players that are in this series. They'll have never even seen a battle of Elber. I mean, if you think they of 1991, it's a long time ago, man. <laughs> even there. I wasn't even in high school yet when this yeah. last happened. Um, I made it one of my trivia questions. I've, I've been hosting games at, at a, a watering hole here in town. I made that one of my trivia questions. Yeah. Who who ended it? Because Game 7 in 1991, mm-hmm. Oilers Flames went to OT. Mm-hmm. Uh, game 6 went to OT. Theron Fleury, just a young star at that point, <sighs> already with a Stanley Cup ring. But he ended game six with that beautiful overtime goal, and a nice five hole. And uh, and then, of course, he did the famous like skate and then slide to his slide knees and, and slide down. Like one of the famous yeah, goal yeah, celebrations, yeah. most famous of all time in the league. But then it was game seven. Yeah. And it was Essa Tikkanen that blew on past Mike Vernon and ended it and sent the Oilers on. <laughs> yeah. So I know this isn't a sports podcast, but I just I just want to say I love hockey. It's one of those sports. I was talking to uh, the director of entertainment for the Seattle Kraken. And he was just saying, you know, sports are great, but you always know who's going to win. You know who's going to the Super Bowl, usually, halfway through the season. You know who's going to the NBA Finals, who the Final Four are going to be. Even, you know, you know March Madness, you can predict. But with hockey, it is really anyone's game. Look at how far these series are going. Game 7, a goal or two is deciding everything. It's just, it's the most beautiful game on earth. And it's anyone's anyone's game coming coming into the final stretch here although and i don't want to get out of my depth i love the sport of basketball but i don't know too much about the nba i knew more about the nba back in like 91 when the mm-hmm. oilers and flames last yeah. played those the era of like magic and larry bird and michael jordan isaiah thomas it was more my era but the phoenix suns were favorites to return to the nba mm-hmm. finals this year and got blown out yeah. last night in game <laughs> seven crazy too like blown out like yeah. at one point they were down by 41 points uh, yeah. they lost by 30 something unreal mm-hmm. so that, that was wild to see and then of course there's stuff going on outside of the arenas right like you know karen for example on our live chat is quite right to point out the result of jason kenny's leadership review uh, go the same night as game one of the battle <laughs> she says that's going to be the battle for alberta so wednesday night you've, you've got we're expecting the results of this leadership review wednesday of course is also game one of the battle of alberta and then there's Jason who's saying what most folks might be thinking in Western Canada. Not all, but most. What's that? You know, he says, well, the only thing close to as good as the Oilers winning was the Leafs losing. <laughs> you got to feel for Maple Leafs fans a little oh, bit. The drought yeah. will continue. It's just, it's the curse. They I went mean, to six. Just, they went to seven uh, yeah. against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who were looking to win their third cup in a row. And and Austin Matthews, their star. I mean, he's legit. Yeah. Austin Matthews Incredible. is obviously a Incredible. huge talent. Uh, saying he 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 was talking after the game. He goes, "We are just that close." He goes, "We we're right there." This, and uh, this is what I'm talking about, though. You sh- you you make a couple little tweaks. And all you're thinking is, how can we shave off one goal? How can we get three more saves next season? I mean, that could have been a Stanley Cup final, Toronto and Tampa. It's just the way sure. things fall. 
in the series and who you go up against. But this was last night. I'm, <laughs> I don't want to say it, but I was hoping the Stars won because I think we could beat them. This is going to be hard. This so is going to be a very close, very emotional series between these two teams. And I, gonna, I don't know who's going to win, honestly. I love the cup runs where they go through the best teams, though. Yeah. And if it's Calgary or Edmonton, one of them is going to move on to the Western Conference final. And yeah. I love that they'll have had to go through one another. Yeah. Let's find out who our next guest is, where his allegiances lie here. <laughs> I don't know where Charles Adler's going to land on this. The, the, the titan of talk, we call him. He's an Emmy winner. He's a lifetime achievement winner with the RT DNA. Of, of course, Canadians uh, look to Charles for for his takes on all things and and Chuck on you didn't talk maybe maybe too much sports through your tenure as a talk host but uh we all knew you did your show for many years out of Winnipeg did, are you a de facto automatic and diehard Jets fan or where do you land on this well the, the re reason I'm a Jets fan has uh, not not all that much to do with the fact that yeah I've done more than 25 years in Winnipeg but the reason I'm cemented to the Jets is because one of the highlights of my life, I realize some people just think of me as a talk show host, but I've done a whole bunch of things and life has been much, much too good to me. And the people of Alberta and British Columbia and, and the rest of the country and the other country to the south of us, the one that's got some problems we're going to talk about in a moment, everyone has been really nice to me. And so I've, I've been allowed to do many things. But one of the highlights, if you want to talk about a highlight reel for yours truly, is being part of the Winnipeg Jets broadcasting crew for several years, yeah, it was the previous incarnation of the Jets, but whatever, the Winnipeg Jets, I was part of that crew for five years, and they were some of the best five years of my life. So it's impossible for me not to root the Jets. But the, Jets, but the problem I've got right now is I don't know who to root for in the Battle of Alberta, because on the one hand, Calgary uh, was my base uh, several times in my career, my, my good luck charm, uh, 17th Avenue, is uh, where my career was launched. 17th Avenue, the, the same building, it used to be called the CKXL at one point. Um, that, that is where my talk radio career was launched um, in 1989. And then, of course, um, Calgary is where I was based for my, 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 my TV show, etc., etc., etc. I don't want to waste a whole lot of time on this, except to say that it's impossible for me not to have Calgary yeah. with a special place in my heart. But here's the other hand. Edmonton has been really good to me. And now politically because um, the conservatives insist uh, that I'm um, an apostate um, yeah. and, and a traitor and, 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 a, and a cuck and, and all of those things. Um, you know, the, the, the folks in, in Edmonton, majority, uh, are somewhat to the left of the majority in Calgary. You know, they have, you know, now accepted me as some sort of prodigal son that, that's come home. And the, and the people of Calgary, very influenced, of course, the talk audience, very influenced by social media, that wants, wants to crucify me. So who do I root for? The <laughs> folks who want to crucify me or the ones who want to accept me with open arms? I'm having a real problem tonight. You just added a whole other layer to this Battle of Alberta, and I love it. You've given us even more to think about, Charles. This is going to be people are saying that, that if this series goes the distance as many think it could i mean these are two really good teams with some of the best players in the world uh, on both of these rosters uh that that this is going to require you know up to seven stat holidays in alberta over the next two weeks and so we'll see what happens we will continue we'll make a commitment to continue to produce canada's best live streaming modern talk show regardless of how many late nights we have hey john you in on that commitment 
<sighs> yeah, I love it. He has no choice. We're, I have no choice either. We're going to keep showing up. Hey, Charles, let's get serious for a second. And, and I want to talk to you about the, C, uh, the conservative leadership race, the CPC leadership race. And I want to talk to you about Jason Kenney's leadership review. But I, I mean, all over the weekend, obviously an appalling uh, actually. And I hate putting it this way. So sort of in cavalier fashion, but a number of mass shootings in the United States. It's horrific. Uh, but in particular, one in Buffalo, a, a young man, 18 years old, who claims he was radicalized while he was bored during the pandemic, posts a manifesto on basically posts a Google Doc. And then he starts live streaming on Twitch as he murders three people in cold blood in the parking lot of a supermarket, then enters the store and starts killing indiscriminately or maybe not indiscriminately because it's obvious that he was targeting people of color. Charles, 10 people dead, uh, many more wounded, uh, the young man in custody and a nation continues to try to make sense of what to do about all of this, not just racially motivated violence, but but gun violence in particular. I don't know where you want to start in analyzing this one, but there seems to be something. There are the shootings that grab people's attention in the United States and the ones that fly under the radar. And this one is another one of those ones that is prompting uh, not just a national outcry there, but international attention and conversations uh, in particular about racism. There's a fellow named Steve Johnson that lives in, in Buffalo, and uh, he's one of the finest human beings uh, that, you know, God ever gave us. And um, right now he doesn't know what to do. He says he's got to uh, constantly be looking behind him and looking beside him. Uh, and so do all of his neighbors in, in Buffalo, his black neighbors in Buffalo, because blacks were hunted by a white supremacist and white supremacists are hunting for black people all over America and they're hunting for brown people. And I'll get into the other targets in a moment, but Steve O. Johnson feels afraid. He has no freedom from fear. If anyone wants to have a serious conversation about freedom, I'm not talking about some political pukes talking point. I'm talking about real freedom. Ask Mr. Johnson who stole his freedom and what stole his freedom and why has it been stolen from him and many people who look just like him. There's been some conversation uh, and, and I want to touch on this and I want to play some video for context. And you shared these people can follow you on Twitter at Charles Adler. You shared these. Uh, over the weekend, I, I want to play a portion of a clip. This is a montage uh, of Tucker Carlson, Fox News host, uh, talking again and again and again about the so-called great replacement theory and getting away with it on the airwaves at Fox News. For context, here's a bit of Tucker Carlson. I mean, they're trying to change the population of the United States. And they hate it when you say that because it's true. Our country's being invaded by the rest of the world. I mean, the state unequivocally the country is being stolen from american citizens as we watch in political terms this policy is called the great replacement the replacement of legacy americans with more obedient people from faraway countries so the great replacement on on mainstream talk a guy that has tens of millions of viewers tuning in every single week well msnbc host Mehdi hassan over the weekend in, in his changeover in his handover his show's wrapping he's handing it over to the next host Ayman mohildeen they talked about it. They brought it up. And I wanted to share a significant portion of this with you before we hand it over to Charles. This is really important stuff. Eamon, I've got to talk to you about Buffalo uh, before I go. That's what we led the show with tonight. And I've got to say something. Yeah. I want to say something 
that normally you and I might talk about in private, that normally brown people might talk to each other about in private. But I do want to say on TV tonight, because it's important, which is that if you and I, let's be honest, brown Muslim men on TV were echoing and saying the racist and conspiracist stuff that Muslim brown terrorists were saying, we would be rightly finished as public figures. How is it that white conservative cable hosts can basically say the same stuff that white supremacist terrorists are saying? I mean, I think the short answer to that is there's a double standard because all you have to see is look what has happened in Buffalo. Look at the way the great replacement conspiracy racist theory has been mainstreamed in this country by uh, cable news hosts, the way it has been mainstreamed by the great replacement caucus in Congress, the representatives who peddle in the xenophobic uh, anti-immigrant rhetoric. Uh, it is extremist ideology that ultimately is going to lead to uh, violence. And we see that time and time again. And yet there is no accountability for that rhetoric. So it, it is completely disheartening. But as you and I know very well, there is a double standard in terms of the language that is used and the rhetoric Just, that is used by certain people and what they're able to get away with, no? Yeah, and violence doesn't happen in a vacuum. I know there's people on Fox this weekend saying it's to do with video games and it's to do with mental health. It's always, it's always mental health. It's funny how brown people never get to be mentally ill. Only white gunmen get to be mentally ill, not brown gunmen. <laughs> Charles, I thought that was a pretty remarkable exchange. Bang on, uh, but not the type of searing accurate conversation you hear from big time cable anchors look uh, we talk about values and we've got to give ourselves a values check and uh, b before you start buying into the social media stuff about i become this far left liberal folks this is canadian common sense okay this is not about being liberal or being conservative this is about being decent and moral okay decent and moral and yes canadian if you're a Canadian and you're aware of a Muslim terrorist, so-called lone wolf, who's done what he's done, if you declare that he's done what he's done because he's Muslim, and then you've got a white terrorist doing what he's doing, whether he's doing it to Muslims or to blacks or to Jews or whatever, you can't declare that the white terrorist did what he did because he's mentally ill and the Muslim terrorist did what he did because he's Muslim. If you do that, you're engaging in grotesque hypocrisy. I think of Muslims right now, whether they're in Alberta or British Columbia or Ontario, wherever they're listening or watching this podcast right now. And I'm thinking about Muslim children specifically. Why should a Muslim child grow up in Canada or the United States or anywhere else in this world that's predominantly white, why should that person feel that they are under suspicion because of the color of their skin? We claim, we claim that we don't buy into that. And yet we allow people who have microphones and cameras into our living rooms and into our hearts who insist on this double standard that when white people kill people who are non-white, it's because they are mentally ill. When Muslim, brown Muslims kill people, it's because they're Muslim. We've got to think about that. I, 
I I hesitate to draw direct lines, Charles, between something that happens in the United States and something that happens in Canada. But you can't ignore conversations over the weekend. People are saying when when talk of this great replacement theory comes up, one of the more prominent Canadians uh, to be proclaiming it from his social media channels is is one of the and and you can deny it if you like. Uh, but Pat King. This guy, a lot of people know who's, who he is. He was one of the organizers of, of this Ottawa occupation. He was one of the guys that put it together. I mean, so much so that he was arrested and charged as a result of it. And there's videos out there. People are sharing them this weekend of him talking about this great replacement theory. So then it's got people saying, well, look at this. This is the same thing that was driving the Freedom Convoy, the same thing driving the Ottawa occupation. And then you've got defenders of that movement saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it's one step too far to start drawing a direct line from the shooting at the Buffalo supermarket to the Ottawa occupation. A prominent Edmonton newspaper columnist over the weekend still carrying water for the occupation, saying that's inaccurate. It's unfair. It's ridiculous to draw a line between the two. But you can't deny that Pat King's on the record talking about it. How do you make sense of that? And what's fair commentary? How far can we go in reminding Canadians about the roots of some of this stuff? Well, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, all the people in the, in the convoy uh, are, are Pat King, but I am going to say that uh, there are many people who are involved in political movements in this country who have yet to denounce Pat King. They have yet to denounce him. They would much rather simply say that when Justin Trudeau was denouncing him and some other people like him, that Justin Trudeau was denouncing everyone. And once again, it reminds me of uh, what uh, some... Uh, conservatives on social media did when I insisted in my conversation with Jason Kenney that some of the people that he was supporting were knuckle draggers. Why did I why did I call them that? I called them that because of the racism, of the homophobia. I called them that because of the Islamophobia. I called them that because of their misogyny. And I was very specific in calling them knuckle draggers. So what did Jason Kenney's people do? They went all over media, social media, other media to say that Charles Adler has turned on Albertans and Charles Adler thinks all Albertans are knuckle draggers. And a whole bunch of people believe that. Mm. Today, you've got a bunch of people saying that the prime minister thinks anybody, anybody who supports some of the things that the people in the convoy supported, like ending vaccine magnates, they're saying that Justin Trudeau has declared that all those people are misogynists. And recent. So, I mean, it's something that we have to talk about because we're into our little silos now and people are sort of preaching to their own uh, little choirs. And one of the reasons that we're doing real talk is because we have, I guess, the, the guts or, or, or character or whatever the, whatever the heck we have, whatever our good parents gave us in terms of values to have an open discussion about this. But yes, are there comparisons between some of the ideas swirling around inside the horrible head of the shooter in Buffalo? And are there those same exact ideas swirling around in the heads of some of the people who support the convoy and some of the people who led the convoy? Of course there is. And we cannot allow our, our Canadian passports to prevent us from seeing what we have to see. You have to have the courage to actually see what you see. Yeah, you know, there's been a lot. And, and again, I'm the same as you, where you say I'm not you, you go. I'm not about to sit here and say that every single person involved in this convoy is Pat King. And my first thought when I heard about the Buffalo shooting didn't go to Ottawa. 
But at the same time, when you're talking about the great replacement theory, we don't bury our heads in the sand and pretend like some people have not been talking about and have not been presenting that theory as valid and legitimate and almost justification for some of their other perspectives on things. So you combine that with what we saw, the harassment in Peterborough last week of, of NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, the guy giving him the finger, telling him to F off, banging on the window of his SUV and yelling freedom convoy. Like, come on now. Right. And then. You've got probably the biggest podcaster in the world, Joe Rogan, also calling the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. What did he call him again over the week? He called him something like a, a, a fascist, whatever he called him, like, you know, really taking aim where, where you've got tens of millions, if not 100 million people probably around the world downloading that podcast. And it's kickstarted the conversation again. Like the, the whole the idea of this Ottawa occupation, the idea of the convoy, it's not going away. And Canadians are continuing to talk about it. And they're not talking about some of the reasons that some of the organizers say they were there ending vaccine mandates making sure truckers can get back to work it's becoming more and more apparent and it's sticking around the idea that most canadians believe that the occupation had nothing to do with that which then begs the question well what was driving it and this is where i think the conversation needs to focus ryan uh, uh, one of the reasons i love you is because um, you never unlike some other people who I won't name, uh, you never stopped me from making things personal. Uh, would you mind if I, if I made this uh, a little bit personal? Floor is yours, Charles. The Great Replacement Theory came from Adolf Hitler. And Adolf Hitler was trying to tell the people around the world, he wasn't just talking to Germans, he was talking to people around the world, that the Jews, okay, my kin, that they were replacing the good people and that the Jews had to be literally wiped out so that the good people could have a good world. That's what the great replacement theory is all about. So when they came for members of my family, including my paternal grandfather, he was to report to the train station with all of the other Jews in his village, all of them, men, women, children, babies, and they were going to be deported to Poland, specifically to Auschwitz, a Nazi concentration camp in Poland. Some people were upset because my grandfather was late for showing up at the train station. Where's Joseph? Where's Joseph? Well, Joseph was late because he was delivering mail he was a volunteer postman. He owned a little general store and he was a volunteer postman. He was late because he felt that it was his duty to his country, which he loved dearly, Hungary. It was his duty. He still thought of it as the king because of course it was part of the Austro-Hungarian empire and the king, the emperor was in Austria. So as far as Joseph was concerned, he owed it to the king to continue to deliver the mail, even though the king, the state, the country that he was born in and loved and served in World War I, that country wanted to send him away because they felt the ideological issue there was that Joseph was taking a job away from somebody. Well, they replaced Joseph. Joseph was replaced. 
because Joseph ended up in ashes. And so I'm in a situation when I watch this great replacement theory where I'm asking myself the question, since the shooter in Buffalo had many pictures of prominent American Jews, isn't it fair to say that white replacement theory is no different than fascism? Mm -hmm. And there's no way that you can have a buildup of fascism without anti-Semitism. And there's no way you can have a buildup of fascism without every other kind of racism. But I wanna talk about this particular piece of replacement. Ultimately, what fascism wishes to replace is anybody, whether they're Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, it doesn't matter. They wanna replace anyone who isn't exactly like them. And yes, that includes white Christians. So for people who sit there and are smug about how replacement theory really isn't about them, well, guess what? We all, regardless of our faith and whether we have faith, all of us can be replaced by the people who are proponents of replacement theory. Eventually, the snakes turn on themselves. But before that happens, many of us, absolutely innocent people, are about to be replaced. So please take it seriously when you hear about certain politicians uh, who are connected to certain people who very much believe in replacement theory. There's nothing Canadian about it. There's nothing democratic about it. There's nothing liberal about it or conservative. None of those things. It's fascism. And if you want to read about fascism, simply Google Mein Kampf. I read it when I was a 10-year-old child. Some people say it's child abuse to allow a 10-year-old child to read Mein Kampf. Well, for me, it wasn't child abuse. For me, it was enlightenment. And yes, I take the replacement theory seriously, and so should you. Hey, Charles, do you believe that books like Mein Kampf should still be in libraries? How do you, I mean, yes. it's, it, it, yeah, okay. Yes. Yes, I do, because I think that people need to know the roots of what it is that they're watching. And I don't think that should be sanitized. And 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 reading Mein Kampf when I was 10 years old was an extremely important experience. Look, I, I understand you've got all the uh, all of the usual suspects saying that, uh, you know, Adler must be some sort of closet whatever because he wants children to read my comp. That's not the issue at all. Huh. This child didn't just lose grandparents and uncles and aunts and, 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 and nephews and, and nieces and all of that. This Jewish child lost much of his own parents. The, the best of them because of survivor's guilt, because of PTSD, the best of them I never got to meet. And I wanted to know who stole my parents, who stole them, who kidnapped them, who exterminated a large piece of them. My father used to say that Hitler didn't kill me, but he stole my smile. And so I'm not suggesting that children just on their own read Mein Kampf and all that. Mm. What I am suggesting is that children be taught by their teachers, by their parents, by their mentors, what it is in that book, what the ideas are about. And I think that the reason all of them need to do this is because when they do this and when they hear about this, they'll be able to draw connections between some of the dangerous rhetoric they're hearing and the dangerous rhetoric in that book. We have to know where we come from. 
and we have to know where the poison comes from. Charles Adler, our guest, I'll fact check what it was that Joe Rogan said about uh, Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada, called him a creepy dictator. That was the exact quote. Um, Charles, we have just a few minutes left with you, and there's, there's a lot of ground to cover. I, but I didn't want to. I am so grateful for the conversation we're having right now, and it's so important. But I can't let you go without asking you about uh, an up to the minute take on the conservative leadership race on Jason Kenney's leadership review coming up. And, and ultimately, I want to wrap with your thoughts on David Milgard, who passed away um, age 69 after a brief battle with pneumonia in Calgary over the weekend. You tweeted a few days ago, if in the year 2025, Canada is in a deep depression, unemployment's at 20 percent, inflation at 25 percent and the dreaded Bank of Canada interest rates at 30 percent, Pierre Polyev will stand an excellent chance of forming government. A lot of people are saying it's inevitable he's going to win this conservative leadership race. But the bigger question is, can he lead the conservatives to victory in a federal election? You're essentially forecasting that if things continue to go to hell in a handbasket economically, that that'll help Polyev's chances of becoming PM. Bit of a wake up call for people. Well, when people are desperate, you know, I I pointed those numbers out because those those are the kinds of numbers that make people uh, extremely fearful. Um, extremely hopeless and ready to vote for anyone uh, that is a dramatic and radical change. Pierre Polyev is, is called radical. He's called a lot of things. But here's the deal. We've got to stand on guard to make sure that we do everything we can. And I'm talking to people who are involved in politics. I'm talking about people who are involved in business. I'm talking about all of us because I don't ever believe that an economy is is a government creation. The people create their economy. The people have to hold their politicians accountable if the politicians get in the way of a strong economy. Absolutely. But unless we have a strong economy, it's inevitable that a Pierre Polyev will take over. Because if people feel that they're completely out of hope, they can't put food on the table, they can't feed their kids, uh, they they can't afford to live in the, the home they're living in, if People are on their economic knees. They will break the legs of anybody who's in power and put in anybody who's on the other side of it. And the anybody on the other side, the guy in the in the waiting room, the guy in the green room, as it were, hoping, hoping that the economy of this country craters, because that's politically advantageous to him, is Pierre Polyev. And I, I you know, I mean we can we can talk about Jean Charest and the and, and, and you know Patrick Brown and all the rest of them. I mean, you don't have to be living in Alberta to realize that it's drop dead obvious that the conservatives very much want Pierre Polyev. And he is the next leader of the Conservative Party and potentially the next prime minister of Canada. I think you're right. And I think it's, it was interesting to hear the strategists. I know you're fans of what they do on their podcast, as well as Zane Velji, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter joining us on Friday and, and their take on on what that actually looks like and what that means for the country. And, and, and also how these weighted ballots could work out where we shouldn't probably be counting out Patrick Brown or Jean Charest quite yet. But I can't ignore the raucous applause. I know that, you know, I'm being strung along. I mean, I'm hook, line and sinker following all the big crowds, the crowds people talk about. But it seems evident to me, even with 
polling uh, that this is Polyev's race to lose. Conservatives polled uh, over the past week, I think it was Ipsos that did it, shows that almost 60% of conservatives want Pierre Polyev as their leader. But when it came to the, you know, and then and then uh, Jean Charest was, was in second place at like 15%. I mean, it was just an absolute chasm between the two of them. But then you ask non-party members, you ask average Canadians that were polled as part of that same survey, and Jean Charest on the likability factor, on the electability factor, actually was beating Polyev in the polling. So that's some pretty interesting insight there. Um, we're going to run out of time. We've got a live conversation to happen out of Ukraine in just a couple of minutes, Chuck, so I don't want to rush us. But but I know I'm asking you to look at your crystal ball here. I don't have the numbers. I don't have that magic number of what Jason Kenney is going to earn uh, through this leadership review, the United Conservative Leadership Review. But it's expected the results on Wednesday, these mail-in ballots, thousands of them, uh, his magic number, he says, is his his survivability number is fifty percent plus one. I don't think most people believe that, but but regardless of what the number is, what's the one thing that you'll be looking to see? What's the one thing you'll be paying attention to as those numbers drop on Wednesday? I will be looking to how conservatives respond to Jason Kenney if he only gets somewhere between fifty and and sixty percent. And whether they feel that uh, that's inspiring enough uh, for them and whether that gives them confidence in uh, Jason Kenney. The people in uh, the conservative movement in Alberta uh, may uh, feel that, um, you know, he may be a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch and he's the only guy we've got. But before we we, we sign off on this, I, I know that, Ryan, I know that you're a, you're a humble guy and all, all the rest of it, but here's what you need to know. When you talk about how well, yeah, sure, Pierre Polyev gets crowds and he gets enthusiastic crowds. Never minimize that because look at your own life. There's no question about who gets the crowds in Alberta. Mm -hmm. I don't care whether you're doing your stuff in a hockey barn or uh, an agricultural barn. It doesn't matter to me. Everywhere that Ryan Jesperson goes and everyone who hires Ryan Jesperson uh, to be a host, to be an MC, to be an auctioneer, to do all of the things that you do, the crowd responds to you. So don't underestimate crowds. The crowds told me many, many years ago that you're by far the most popular, effective, and influential talker in Alberta. You inspire a crowd. I don't love you for that reason, hmm. but you inspire me. That's why I love you. Unbelievable, Charles, to hear. I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. And it's I mean, it's the audience that shows up. And I think it's because we make a commitment. Like you said earlier, we're going to give them real talk. We're going to talk about what the people are saying. We're going to give the people a voice. I mean, this is a great time to remind folks you can get in touch with the show anytime to talk at RyanJesperson.com. Charles is joining us every second Monday here on the show. We're thrilled to have him here. Chuck, before we thank you for your time, David Milgard. Uh, what do you say about David Milgard? Rob, you want to talk about people who, who, who encountered injustice. This guy at 16 years old back in 1969, uh, traveling out of Winnipeg, passing through Saskatchewan with his friends when the body of a nurse from Saskatoon, Gail Miller, was discovered in a snowbank. Milgard convicted of her rape and murder, incarcerated. If you can wrap your mind around this, think of think of the, the formative years, the special years of life, age 16 to 39. Uh, he was imprisoned for a murder and a rape he did not commit. Uh, his mother, Joyce, uh, fought, uh, never doubted her son's innocence, fought for his uh, release from prison for many, many years until he was in 1992. Of note, five years later, DNA evidence linked notorious rapist larry fisher to the murder he was convicted eight years later sentenced to life in prison died in 2015 
David Milgard's life has inspired many people. Uh, I know it's a difficult story to process. What do you say in Canada uh, other than his life inspired the lyrics of Wheat Kings, that iconic song by the Tragically Hip? And I called up those lyrics, Charles, because I wanted to read just a quick passage from them. His Zippo lighter, he sees the killer's face. Maybe it's someone standing in a killer's place. 20 years for nothing. Well, that's nothing new. Besides, no one's interested in something you didn't do. Goes on to say, late-breaking story on the CBC. A nation whispers, we always knew that he'd go free. They add, you can't be fond of living in the past, because if you are, then there's no way that you're going to last. As we remember, David Milgard passed away over the weekend. Where does your mind go? We talk about freedom a lot in this country uh, because of the uh, current politics. Uh, David Milgard lost his freedom for 23 years. David Milgard was abused by our system. He was abused when he was in prison. Uh, David Milgard was a soft man, a gentle man. I got to know him through the eyes of his mother. I had his mother on, Joyce Milgard, many times before the DNA uh, finally cleared her son. I supported uh, Joyce Milgard and David Milgard 100%. And back in those days, I would get frequent contacts from people who were, you know, right, far right, whatever you want to call them, the hang em high crowd, um, telling me to back off. And so I politely told them to fuck off. Mm. Uh, and I will uh, politely say that um, wrongful convictions are the greatest injustices that we do and that the government needs to establish a committee to oversee convictions. This is what David Milgard dedicated the last years of his life to. David Milgard got a promise from the justice minister. His name is Lamb. And he has said even now, in the last couple of days, that uh, David Milgard inspires us to do what we have to do to minimize wrongful convictions. I hope that he's a person of his word. I hope the justice minister, I hope the national government, the federal government comes through with that. But in the meantime, I, I just want to say that David Milgard was a great human being, a courageous human being. David Milgard, may his memory be a blessing. And uh, may he may he rest in peace. And, 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 and Ryan, God bless you for, for bringing him up. And God bless you for reading that lyric from the, the tragic hip. Charles Adler, legendary talk host, beloved Canadian commentator, joining us every second Monday here on Real Talk. We love you, Chuck. Thanks for making time for us today. My pleasure. You can follow Charles on Twitter. At Charles Adler, of course, every morning before the show from our official account, Real Talk RJ, we let you know the handles of guests that will be joining us so you can connect with them if they've moved you here on Real Talk. I appreciate the live comments coming in. You can use our hashtag on Twitter as well, Real Talk RJ. That hashtag, you know, is powered by our friends at Park Power. They're in the internet, electricity, and natural gas game. Province-wide, your friendly local utilities provider, and today is a great day for you to go compare rates. What are you paying right now for your utilities? And what could you be paying with Park Power? You can learn about the company. You can get into the frequently asked questions. You can learn more about their solar rebate buyback program, a great partnership with Kubi Energy. And of course, when you bring your business to Park Power, make sure you use the promo code 2022-REALTALK. That'll knock $70 off your first bill. 
at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. They've got the 2022 Dodge Challengers in stock. This is that classic American muscle, the legendary brand that people love with a refresh. I mean, these things are looking absolutely unbelievable. Now, maybe the Challenger's your thing. You're picturing yourself on those secondary highways through the summer. It's still light out at 10 p.m. and the roar of that hemi is just floating your boat, if you know what I mean. Or maybe it's a pickup. Maybe it's an SUV. Maybe you're looking to downsize into something smaller for fuel efficiency. Whatever it is, you can browse The service and parts, the specials, the new and pre-owned selections at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge online via the Sponsors tab on our website at ryanjesperson.com. Our friends at Friesen Brothers know that it's the season to grill. Of course, I don't have to tell you that. I had a neighbor that was barbecuing, Johnny, over the weekend. Is there anything worse than having your neighbor barbecuing when you yourself are not barbecuing? (laughs) you got the screen door open in the back of the house and it's wafting its way in and you're going, why are we not in front of the grill right now? Damn it. Damn it. Friesen Brothers has you covered, whether it's real Alberta pork, beef, chicken, turkey, or maybe some of the plant-based options. Their selection has never been better. Friesen Brothers, 16 locations across the province of Alberta for more than 65 years, still family-owned, you can find them online at Friesen.com. I was lucky enough to connect with the leadership team at Infinity Healthcare over the weekend. They were letting us know they've been hearing from real talkers, bringing your business over to them, the business of family. They're in the business of home care, reliable, trustworthy, perfect fit home care. You go, well, perfect fit. What is that supposed to mean? I've had negative experiences with home care. Is it because the care provider was assigned to you? Infinity Healthcare has a personality matching service where they're able to ask you and your loved ones what matters most. What does premier care look like for you? A unique and personalized combination of premier care and community-based services is their wheelhouse. It's why more and more Albertans are looking to Infinity Healthcare at infinity-8.ca. And if you're looking to just treat yourself today, if you're looking to maybe step away from real life and and, and just take a moment for yourself, might we recommend you, you know where I'm going with this, why not do it with a DQ blizzard? From the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, it includes the Reese's Pieces Cookie Dough Blizzard Treat. This is part of their hot summer lineup. These are the limited time option blizzards. The Very Cherry Chip Blizzard Treat is one everybody's excited about. And what kid wouldn't love the Oreo Dirt Pie Blizzard Treat? This is the one that has like those, uh, you know, it's got like the cookie pieces, the gummy worms, and then fudge crumble blended in with the world famous soft serve. Sure to be a fan favorite, regardless of your age, at the Dairy Queens in Sherwood Park at Baseline Road and in Northwest Edmonton at Palisades de Mayo, Newcastle, and Westmount. We hit up the Dairy Queen last night. I saw you. You, yeah. you. you sent me a photo. You were there. You were there. Like you, not not quite at midnight, pal. But you were there late. I did another double smash of the old plant based dilly bar. <laughs> the <laughs> dairy, can't have just one. The dairy free dilly bar. I got to tell people what you said to me in the text. So Johnny sends me this photo of of and you and you sent the photo before you crushed them, which is a veteran move, Ooh. right? It's like everybody when your plate arrives at the restaurant, a lot of people scramble to take a photo before they tear into it. Yeah. But you said it's the double dilly. It's the only way to dilly. <laughs> you got to do two. You got to do two. And I like that you use dilly as a verb. Mm-hmm. It's the only way to dilly. <laughs> All right. 
This is uh, a really remarkable story. Uh, Canadians doing everything they can to assist Ukrainians that are fighting off Russian aggression as this war continues. Emergency services are working, to say the least, overtime in Ukraine as shelling and attacks continue. And of course, as millions of people see their lives turned upside down. Enter Firefighter Aid Ukraine. It's a partnership, an initiative that's seen millions of dollars of equipment, literally millions of dollars of equipment sent to Ukraine. It's all happening because of the work, uh, because of the work, like people, you know, our next two guests joining us here live. Kevin Royal is a 13 year veteran of Edmonton Fire Rescue Services. He's the founder and project director of Firefighter Aid Ukraine. Now, here's the deal. The project didn't just start a couple months ago. The project was founded eight years ago after a Rotary Group study exchange focused on firefighter PPE, stuff like turnout jackets, pants, helmets, footwear, tools, equipment, and medical supplies. It's assisted 12 regions in Ukraine with over 100 tons of equipment shipped from Canada. Now, Vitaly Hritsko is the senior specialist of the International Cooperation Sector of the Main Department of the State Emergency Service of Ukraine in the Ivano-Frankivsk region. He's joining us live from Ukraine as we speak. A good morning or a good evening to the both of you. Vitaly, I want to start with you. Thanks for making time for us amid what I know is a hugely challenging circumstance for you. Can you give us a sense of what the need looks like right now in the regions that you're overseeing? Uh, thank you very much for inviting me. It's a really brilliant experience the first time like in uh, uh, this kind of uh, conversation. So, uh, so sorry if I say something not uh, like wrong, but um, I want to say thank you also to Kevin because uh, the amount of help uh, he and the volunteers and the firefighters aid Ukraine provided to us is really, it's a, it's a huge, and we really appreciate that. Um, it helps a lot us and um, uh, in different uh, regions of Ukraine, uh, people now know who, who is Kevin Royal. And so um, the needs are very big. I don't want to just to, say it like the list of our needs uh, but uh, like the, the, the first thing we need is something to help us to protect our people and our rescuers firefighters like protective suits uh, explosive protective vests and uh, helmets and so on Kevin, uh, I'm trying to get a sense of where you're joining us from right now. It looks like it looks like you're in a warehouse of some sort or so where are you chiming in from right now? what's going on right now up to the minute? Yeah, I'm actually at the warehouse that we uh, conduct, are conducting all of our operations out of. This is where we're consolidating all the aid that we're sending to Ukraine. Um, we, we got a, a bunch of volunteers coming down in about an hour, so we're here doing some some prep work and getting the, the day started. So we're, we're where we're packing everything up to send to Ukraine. Uh, Kevin, this is uh, a remarkable undertaking as mentioned. Hun- like I mean I mean over 100 tons of equipment has been sent over, the value uh, millions of dollars. What sort of stuff are we talking about specifically? What are the, the most critical needs uh that your agency that your group is helping address and, and where are you getting all the stuff? Well, like like Vitaly said, uh, the most critical stuff is like the protective equipment. Um 
our, our name is kind of misleading. We started out initially with just trying to help uh, firefighters with equipment, but we quickly changed our our focus to include um, first aid equipment, surgical equipment, diagnostic equipment. Like if you see behind me, there's uh, those are X-ray machines, two two X-ray machines, mobile X-ray machines. Um, behind me is PPE, like uh, SCBA uh, bottles and and uh, harnesses and it's really it's broad i mean we help uh out any kind of first responder or uh or hospital or doctor or whatever with their needs as well um where it's coming from it's coming from businesses it's coming from communities it's coming from health services it's coming from all over the country and actually as far as uh, the us and we've actually helped facilitate donations from other countries like germany and um uh, and the uk vitali who is it uh, using this equipment? Is, it, is, this, is this professional first responders that have been trained uh, for many years? Or oftentimes are these civilians? Are these regular people that are stepping up to do these critically important jobs? Um, in the majority, it's uh, trained firefighters. But also in the, uh, we have here in Ukraine the like volunteers who have their own firefighting teams in the small villages or something like that. So this equipment also um, distributed to them also. So it's uh, all the firefighters, all the rescuers um, in Ukraine. It was remarkable, uh, Vitaly, over the weekend uh, to hear your president, Zelensky, described Russia as backed into a corner right now with regards to its attack on Ukraine. How would you describe the mood or the spirits of your fellow Ukrainians? How would you describe what you're seeing around you with the people of Ukraine? Uh, I don't think that I can describe it shortly. And uh, also, I don't really think that... Um, that's something that can be described by words. It's uh, only the thing that you can feel. Because um, when you speak to someone and uh, you just understand the level of uh, how they care about uh, their relatives, their close people, so it's it's not not the same. It's higher level than it was before the war. So I think the the, the main for, for all of Ukrainians now is to like um, to to make everything to save uh, their relatives and close people that's all, all everyone's thinking about now well the world uh has its eyes on ukraine i don't think i need to tell you that vitaly i'm sure you know and many people are watching what's happening over there and marveling at the resilience and the strength of the Ukrainian people. And Kevin, you know, it prompts people to say, well, what can we do? What can we do to help? Right. And and the number one thing I want people to take from this is that they can go to firefighteraidukraine.com. It's where they can donate funds. It's where they can yep. learn more about volunteering. It's how they can learn more about your group, about your agency, I didn't realize, Kevin, when you and I first connected on this, that, that this project was founded eight years ago, well right. before this war in particular. 
So you have a long-standing relationship with many of these contacts. How have you been processing what you've been seeing over there? This work, obviously, probably even more meaningful now than it was seven, eight years ago. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, over eight years, you develop some great relationships. You develop uh, um, long-standing, you know, yeah, these are these aren't just uh, pictures on CNN for me. These are my friends. These are uh, um, these are community members here in Edmonton's. Uh, they're their relatives, and yeah, we've uh, we've been working there for eight years, and it's uh, it's remarkable, like you said, the resilience of the Ukrainians, uh, and this work is extremely important. And yeah, you can go to our website. You can uh, donate right there. Um, the funds will be used to ship our. Our second aircraft out, uh, the first one went out March 10th uh, with 14 tons of, of critical aid. And uh, the second one we have slated to go out first week of June. We're just waiting on some more uh, equipment that's scheduled to arrive here in the warehouse in the next uh, week or so. We'll process that and we'll get it off. Any additional funds that we end up uh, receiving will be used to purchase pharmaceuticals like insulin, um, uh, penicillin, uh, thyroid medications for like chronic uh, care that are coming in short supply over there. So any any additional funds will be used to to purchase other equipment that are and supplies that are needed in Ukraine as well. Vitaly, we don't often have an opportunity to to speak with someone in a leadership position like you, uh, literally working on the front lines and overseeing people that are doing life saving work in a region that's experiencing war like this right now. What is something, what's a storyline or a concept, an idea? What's something you want to make sure the world knows about what's going on in Ukraine right now? If you were writing the news headlines, what would you want people to hear? You know, it's um, it's a very complicated question. I think uh, for me personally, uh, People who now with Ukraine, like our firefighters who do their job in the front lines and the, our um, armed forces who protecting us, uh, our medics, all they are, they actually was heroes even before the war, but now it's just, uh, just another level. And I want to say that for now in Ukraine, a lot like all the people just, uh, getting more kind, uh, more uh, precious to time they uh, can spend with um, their, their relatives and friends. And a lot of things changed. And I don't think that I really can describe it uh, like just so so the, the, the person who not familiar with the work can understand it. It's uh, just a different thing. Um, but uh, we all just uh, wanted to, to to end up, and we want peace and and good good for everyone. So, and uh, I just want to admit that um, it's we really appreciate here uh, what the the whole world, the the kind and sincere people in the world doing for us. It's 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 really touching. It's. Um, it's just great to to feel this this support from the world. Thank you very much for everyone who seeing this and who support Ukraine, just just in a in a thoughts even or, or by words. So hmm. we really appreciate that. 
Kevin, I saw an image, uh, and I know a lot of people around the world saw it because, uh, well, well, number one, to, to hit it head on, there were some questions about its legitimacy. Some of the conspiracy theorists were coming yeah. out uh, suggesting that this image had been baked up, that it was, you know what I'm talking about. You know what yeah, I'm about exciting. to show you. This was a CNN yeah. uh, reporter uh on site in Ukraine, obviously the, the reporters got his flak yeah. jacket on. He's got his his helmet on, and he's reporting at the scene yeah. at the site of an explosion. And, and there it is. You can see if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see in the bottom right hand corner of the screen. There's a firefighter wearing an Edmonton. What do you call that? That's bunker gear, isn't that what you call it? Yeah. Uh, wearing an yeah, Edmonton jacket. jacket. Uh, yeah. That is just a. Doesn't that? I mean, if if, if a picture is worth a thousand words, this one might be worth a million. But what does it mean to you to see that image right there? That's that's the gear you're sending <laughs> over in action yeah i mean if anyone would have told told me that i was going to be debunking conspiracy theories on cnn in my lifetime i would have laughed at them but yeah it, it happened right and uh lviv has been the recipient of many many shipments of of our of our uh of our work and yeah that that happened in lviv days after we shipped our cargo to Vitaly and uh, his team in Ivano-Frankivsk, some of it was shipped off to Lviv to be used on the front lines. And uh, it was put put to work, right? And it felt good to see it. I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit nervous as to what my uh, my chiefs or my uh, uh, my the city was going to say, but uh, they were incredibly supportive. Typically, those, uh, those names, the lettering is, is removed, but that jacket squeaks through somehow. And, but yeah, it was good to see that that was equipment was being used to to protect somebody, to make sure that individual had a better chance of going home safe to their family and, you know, protect the, the citizens of, of Ukraine. So it was, it was good to see. I've seen many images like that. They're, they're very, very good at sending me images of how they're using our gear and the, you know, the quality of it and the, uh, you know, how it's helped, how it's helping them. So that was on another level, obviously, being yeah. on, international news but yeah well and it's just it's amazing too for people that 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 like right now for example i know that people hear this when this podcast comes out later today people will check out firefighteraidukraine.com and and potentially make a donation if they're able to do so and and this is a way i mean you see tangibly and you'll see those images i've just described are up on your website as well this is a way to tangibly help and to make a difference from from halfway around the world vitaly how are how are the needs evolving like what changes as time goes on? Are there, are there items or, or donations that you need now uh, that perhaps you didn't need before? What's changing? Um, you know, like uh, as, as like months ago, we from the Western uh, regions, we have our United Detachments uh, gone to the front lines and uh, have the job there with uh, the mining territories uh, that was uh, freed from the uh, Russian occupiers. And uh, we faced with the things that we uh, didn't have enough of the proper equipment for them, like even the uh, knee pads and elbow pads, so and uh, some tools and, and so on. So that's what is came after and uh, the needs is pretty big and uh, all the needs that was in the beginning uh, still uh, we, we have still these needs for now 
And Kevin, same question for you. Um, I know that I know that your group's been been really uh, looking to uh, fundraise to purchase things like surgical supplies. You're looking, uh, you know, to purchase pharmaceuticals, insulin, penicillin, that type of thing. How have the needs evolved from your perspective? Well, from our conversation, you know, as well, first of all, as the seasons change, the the type of equipment they they require, as um, you know, the the Russian tactics change, as Vitaly just said, uh, they're now re-entering, they're retaking territories that were mined and uh you know they need that equipment that the demining de- de- equipment now they're realizing that um things become in short supply when you're kind of under siege like uh, like those pharmaceuticals for the chronic um diseases that people may face like thyroid or diabetes or, or things like that so um food is starting to become more scarce farmers aren't able to plant fields right now so just everyday supplies hygienic supplies are becoming very difficult to to find over there so as as the war continues and carries on uh you start to run low on different types of supplies and um like as vitali said though the, the tactical needs change as well uh and to paint a, a picture for folks it costs about 300 grand just to send that flight over there right kev you guys are yeah. you guys are fundraising for yeah. that too yeah, actually, uh, Essel stepped up and offered to pay the fuel, which is like a massive part of the bill. Yeah. Um, we've got some people that are, you know, through the communities, people are hosting fundraisers on our behalf. Um, they're, uh, you know, just monetary donations come in every, every, every amount, every dollar counts, right? Yeah, so five bucks, 20 well bucks, 100 bucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? We're well on our way. Um, and our plan is the first week of June, like I said, in it's going to happen, and then any of the additional funds are going to be used to purchase other supplies like tourniquets, hemostatic gauzes, um, airway adjuncts, things that aren't typically available to the general public but are available to us through our suppliers. Well, this is something that uh, Canadians can be very proud of. I'm so grateful, Kevin, that you were able to join us from the warehouse. It's giving me a real perspective yeah. check of how much yeah. stuff is set to go over there. Um, if millions of dollars. Millions, millions of, dollars of dollars worth of stuff. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. FirefighterAidUkraine.com is where you can help make a difference and support the people of Ukraine, including uh, the incredibly brave first responders that are there on the front lines. Vitaly, thank you so much for joining us. I know that there's so many polls on your time, uh, and it means a lot to us that you were able to speak to the people of Canada and, and let us know about the impact of this initiative. Uh, we wish you safety through this and know that our hearts, our thoughts are with the people of Ukraine. Thank you for joining us, Vitaly and Kevin. Amazing job. You and I know the entire team. It takes a lot of people for something like this to happen yeah. at firefighteraidukraine.com. To both of you, thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, this thank isn't happening alone. Yeah, Ryan, this isn't uh, this is the the work of thousands of man hours from volunteers in the community and you know, businesses, organizations, communities that are pulling together to do this. So Thank you for having us on today. And uh, if anyone else wants to go to like other websites and organizations like the Ukrainian Canadian Congress, Canada Ukraine Foundation, they can find out other ways they can help out as well. Hosting families or other projects that might be going on as well that might be more their their speed or their their uh, flavor. So good stuff. That's Kevin yeah. Royal of the uh, of Firefighter Aid Ukraine and Vitaly Hritsko that's joining us live from ukraine unbelievable vitaly i wish i could just pat slap you on the shoulder buddy wish i could buy you and everybody else a beer right now but i know you got more serious things to take care of but i hope that you feel it i hope you feel the love and support from canada yes i, I really we really feel a lot of support for, from canada and sorry if i just can't um expose all that i feel uh, because it's like my vocabulary 
So no, it's unbelievable. Uh, we have people on our live chat, Vitaly, that are saying that your English is much better than our Ukrainian, and you have passed this with flying colors. And so thank you so much. A masterful storyteller and, and obviously doing hugely important work there in Ukraine. Wow. Vitaly Hritsko joining us live from Ukraine, and that's Kevin Royal as well, firefighteraidukraine.com. How's that for a perspective check? Just that picture. Just that picture with the, with in, the jacket. In Lviv, yeah. On CNN. Just, wow. Yeah, you can see the picture. They have it on their homepage. I know I'm saying the website like 15 times, and that's on purpose. At firefighteraidukraine.com, they have it as the home image. It says a lot, doesn't it? It does. It makes you proud like to, to know that there are, are people that... And I think it's important, too. We talked about that... Uh, the uh, the fundraiser through the um, you know the, uh, the the clothing line that mm-hmm. we talked about late last week mm-hmm. as well and and uh, just different ways that Canadians are are finding opportunities to, to you you sometimes I mean I you see the car flags you see yeah. people with Ukrainian flags up in their windows and their the homes city. and everything and and a lot of times you just want to ha- you, you need like a channel or you need an avenue or you, yeah. you need a, a way to be able to sort of allocate what you're feeling and turn it into something. Mm-hmm. That, but that, that I'm going to be sharing that picture yeah. right after the show. Isn't it's just it amazing? Incredibly powerful. And Kevin yeah. had to like you know Daniel Dale who was has written for like the Washington Post and Toronto Star and he's like yeah. done a ton of work on CNN and he's I mean he's a Canadian journalist but he he sort of made his name um, doing the Trump fact checks. Mm. That's why Daniel Dale was in, in as far as I can remember probably the first Canadian journalist to a million followers on Twitter. With apologies if there was somebody that was there before him, but it's because he was providing such a valuable service and he took on that story. Yeah. When people people thought that thought they were onto something, they thought it was a uh, they they thought it was a hoax, right? Because they they saw you know they see this being reported on CNN as an explosion in Lviv, yeah, right? Russian shelling. There's an explosion in Lviv, but they see this Edmonton bunker gear. So they think it's well. They thought they were onto something. <laughs> Aha! You know CNN fake news, and yeah. so Kevin's on there doing interviews, literally with CNN and with Daniel Dale, going, "Man, we're sending over millions of dollars worth of gear, and that's what this is." And Edmonton doing. We just talked about my friend Nestor as well raising like oh they're getting up they're trying to get to a quarter of a million dollars like i wonder what just the total revenue that what we've taken yeah. from all these organizations we've sent from just right here in edmonton and alberta alone it must and, be staggering and you know you'll hear obvious things like kevin just said something and i went right but it should have been obvious but it wasn't something that occurred to me like food shortages yeah he's like it's spring the Ukrainian farmers aren't obviously able to plant fields right now. Yeah. Uh, what's that going to mean three months from now or six months from now? I mean, there, there's that's a major issue, but that's not one that was on my radar. No. Right. And that's why I think these conversations are so important. If there's an angle on a story that you're not hearing covered here or on some of the other shows that you listen to, we'd love to hear from you. And you know where you can get in touch with us to talk at RyanJesperson.com. A lot of our conversations happen because of a heads up from an audience member that puts it on our radar and lets us know what we need to be talking about. Our friends at Local Environmental uh, are continuing to grow their footprint. It's really amazing for me to see the growth that they're experiencing, including in Sturgeon County, Alberta. They're into Saskatchewan. You know, some people say it's only garbage, right? Not to Local Environmental. They believe communities deserve better, better service, better prices, more support for local causes. If you go to their website, localenvironmental.ca, you can learn more about what they do. And also, who is local? What's the company all about? What are they doing in Regina? What are they doing in Whitecourt? What are they doing in our hometown of Edmonton? The services continue to broaden, right? They're doing recycling, water hauling, portable toilets, vacuum truck services, fencing. Maybe your community's putting on a music festival for the first time in a couple of years. Think localenvironmental.ca. 
We also want to remind you that Athabasca University is more than just Canada's online university. Sure, you know them because you keep hearing about them here on Real Talk, the world-class accredited online programs and courses that give you flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. But what about the research that's being done at Athabasca University? It is one of Canada's top research-oriented post-secondary institutions, which has major benefits if you're a student there at Athabasca U. You can learn more about the research that's being done there by following the link on their website. Nice and easy to find at AthabascaU.ca. You can learn about Dr. Chris Glover and what he's doing with Campus Alberta Innovates in hydroecology and environmental health as an example. What could be the career implication for you there? Athabasca U is North America's first online university and its research center continues to earn it accolades all around the world. LandscapeEdmonton.ca is where you'll find our friends at Eden Landscaping. I am ringing the bell. I am sounding the alarm. If you want your landscaping done by midsummer, if you want to be able to host friends for a birthday campfire, maybe an anniversary barbecue, whatever it is, today's the day to get in touch with Eden Landscaping. You can browse their portfolio, learn more about their services, but let me make that part easy for you. They do it all. From the design, the conceptual phase, all the way through to execution, they don't leave. They don't pack up the bobcats and take away the shovels until you are completely happy with the job that they've done. LandscapeEdmonton.ca is where you'll find Eden Landscaping. Every Monday, the first show of every week, our friends at Kubi Energy, you can get a free solar quote today at kubienergy.ca, give us reason for optimism. They fill our buckets, a chance to tell the stories that fill our hearts and restore our faith in humanity. We call it Positive Reflections. Johnny, can you call up the photo of me and my pal Declan? Now, this photo is from a long time ago. As you're about to see, and if you're listening on the podcast, let me describe it for you, or, or maybe Johnny, you can describe it. The, the very first thing you well, asked it's, me. <laughs> it's quite a photo here. You said, is that you with a mustache? I feel like you might have been selling insurance at this point in your life or something. Oh, we're going to hear from the insurance lobby <laughs> Door to <now>. door. <laughs> this was during the month of November, John. Oh. And so I am rocking that stash. <laughs> but the most important part of the photo is not my mustache. Uh, that's my good buddy, Declan. And that's his mom, Lindsay. Yeah. Uh, just a remarkable duo. Declan has endured with that smile on his face, let me tell you, he's the bravest, most remarkable kid I've ever met. Dozens of surgeries, including major surgeries on his spine. Now, I first met Declan, I think about 10 years ago, and it's been a wonderful friendship ever since. But something happened this last week that I couldn't wait to tell you about. So, so I decided to use positive reflections to let you know that Declan realized his dream, one that he's had for the last five years, just this last week, he's always wanted to be an umpire. He wants to be a baseball umpire. He's wanted to become an ump. He turned 12 years old, and then there weren't any clinics happening. He wasn't able to learn about it. He wasn't able to get certified, right, because of COVID. And he was also told that he probably wouldn't be able to work games because in his chair, he can't move quickly enough, right? I mean, the umpire's got to be able to get out of the way if a runner's coming around third base and sliding into home. He's got to be able to maneuver around to make the right call. But he got certified. 
And he's now 13 years old, which means that he finally had an opportunity to step behind the plate and to ump his first baseball game. Now, his mom tells us that he graduated the top of his class in getting certified, and his fellow umpires said that they would love to help him out to make it possible for him to work baseball games. Now, he's going to work home plate when he's doing it, and he is absolutely thrilled. His friends and fellow umpires have taught him how to position his chair behind the plate. He got a call just a few days ago, asked, could you work a game tonight? He said he was so nervous. His family was so nervous when they showed up. A few fans didn't quite know what to make of it because it's such an unusual sight. It's such a remarkable sight. And I can tell you that he called a hell of a game, making so many of us so proud of him. Those of us that have known Declan from the time he was just a wee one, now we see him growing into a young man who is not allowing barriers to stand in his way. Instead, he's making dreams and he's making them happen. And that's why Declan is in the spotlight in today's Positive Reflections. I literally have chills as I'm talking about it. My Amazing. face is going to break from smiling. <laughs> I've known the guy for so long, and I'm so proud of you, Declan. And all of us are cheering you on. Don't listen to the fans when you make a tough call. It comes with the territory when you're an umpire. It takes courage and wisdom. And we know you've got both of those qualities in spades. You can send us your positive reflection to talk at ryanjesperson.com every week. It's presented by our good friends at Kubi Energy. Friends, make it a great Monday. We wanted to let you know as well before we sign off that the Real Talk Golf Classic is now open for registration. If you go to our website, ryanjesperson.com, and click on events, you can sign up your foursome for the tournament at the Ranch Golf and Country Club on Thursday, June 23rd. It's a 2.15 p.m. shotgun start, and every dollar raised will fund the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship, which will provide $5,000 for a post-secondary student every year who's lost a parent to cancer. RyanJesperson.com is where you can sign up for the Real Talk Golf Classic that goes Thursday, June 23rd. We'll talk to you tomorrow, friends. Make it a great Monday, and thanks for making Real Talk part of your day. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, technical producer John Hicks, managing director Josh Dunford, account coordinator Lawrence Derlego, general manager Katie Cook-Chivers, website design Mike Johnston, voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.